Well, good morning. Welcome to our last message in the series on the Beatitudes that we've been in for the last several weeks. Um, And every one of these Beatitudes, what struck me is every one of these Beatitudes has been so relevant and so timely and, and, and fitting for where we are in this time and place right now where we're living. So as, as we've been doing each week, we're going to read through the whole passage so we can get the entire context, and then we'll get started. And hopefully as we read through this, it'll stir up something that the Lord has spoken to you over the past several weeks uh, as we've been going through these. Maybe there's something that was said about one beatitude or another that particularly gripped your heart. And, you know, our prayer is that as we go through these, every time we read them now, that that the Lord would bring those, back, th- those things back and freshen them in our hearts. So let's start reading in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now last week, if you remember, we talked about the need for peacemakers and that we need more peacemakers in our in our uh, our culture today we need more people to rise up and take that role and we talked about what a peacemaker is that it's not just someone who's peace loving uh, or peaceful but it's a reconciler somebody who works to reconcile others uh, whether it be reconciling people to each other or people to God we looked at Paul's example in Philippians 4 as he challenged two women, Yodia and Syntyche, to settle their differences. And then we looked at the example of Jesus who reconciled mankind to God. Today we're going to talk about those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then just to make sure that we really get it, Jesus says it again in the next verse. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, this whole area of persecution is something that the early church was very familiar with. In fact, if you read through the book of Acts, which chronicles the, uh, the beginning of the early church, the early history of the church, you'll find that it quickly became a way of life for the early Christians. In the book of Acts alone, we find, I think, over 15 times when believers faced persecution. 
And we're not just talking about, as we talk about persecution, we're not just talking about giving someone a hard time or making things difficult or or not being nice to them. We're not talking about laws being passed that we disagree with. That's, th- that's not persecution. I want to give you Merriam-Webster's definition of, of uh, the word persecute. The definition, according to Merriam-Webster's, is to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, specifically to cause to suffer because of belief. Suffering because of our belief, not because of wrong choices or unwise actions on our part, but because of our belief, because of our faith, because of faithfully adhering to the teachings and practices of Jesus. That's what we're looking at when we talk about persecution. When we don't line up with the accepted beliefs and practices of our culture, we get pushback, and sometimes that's very strong pushback. You know, we need to realize that, 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 that and, and recognize that Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, in fact, everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you truly want to live as a Christian, you can expect to pay a price. Christians all around the world are experiencing that firsthand. There is opposition, there is harassment, and that's the level that we share in this country. That's the level that we would experience. You know, sometimes we are harassed because of taking a stand of our faith and so forth. But real persecution is alive and well in this world. According to Open Doors, I'm going to give you some of the latest data that they have available about concerning persecution worldwide. In the top 50 World Watch list countries alone, 260 million Christians in the world experience high levels of persecution for their choice to follow Christ. 260 million. And that's in the top 50 World Watch list countries. One in nine Christians worldwide experience high levels of persecution. The number of Christians in the top 50 countries on the 2020 World Watch list who experience high levels of persecution has risen by 6% from the 2019 reporting period to the 2020s. 2,983 Christians have been killed for faith-related reasons in those top 50 countries. 3,711 Christians have been detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned in those top 50 countries. 9,488 churches or Christian buildings were attacked in those top 50 countries. 11 countries scored in the extreme level for their persecution of Christians. 11 countries. Six years ago, North Korea was the only one. Now there's 11. North Korea has ranked number one as the world's most dangerous place for Christians, forget this, for 19 consecutive years. Now, I know that's a lot of stats, but I want to share them for a few different reasons. One is... 
These stats indicate that Christian persecution is higher today than at any other time in modern history, and it's increasing. When I compare any opposition or problems that Christians in America may be facing, in light of what the church and much of the world around us is facing, it's very evident that Christians in America are far from being persecuted. We may not like this legislation, we may not like that legislation, but to say that we are undergoing persecution is a long stretch. And when I look at the way many believers in America respond when they're not happy about the way things are going, honestly, I'm legitimately concerned for what will happen when real persecution does come to this country. And there's nothing in Scripture, in history, or in current events that can convince me that it won't. I don't know when, but at some point, it's going to come home to us as well. So the remainder of our time today, I want to talk about how believers are to respond when facing persecution. How do we endure it in a way that we grow and we thrive in our faith? And even though we may not be facing persecution now, we can apply these things to any kind of harassment for our faith, any time we face opposition for our faith, whether it rises to the level of biblical persecution or not. So let's talk about it. The first thing, it is, first thing it's important to do is to face it with joy. Now, this sounds kind of weird. You know, it's like, what do you mean joy about it? Yeah, face it with joy. In Acts 5, after the apostles had healed a number of people and cast out a number of demons, they were arrested and they were thrown in jail. <laughs> During the night, an angel came and released them so they could go and preach again start preaching more in the same spot where they were arrested before and for which they were rearrested. And then before they were released, we read starting in verse uh, 40 of Acts 5, they called in the apostles, they had them flogged. They had ordered them, they, they then ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the high council, get this, rejoicing. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. They were rejoicing because they were being persecuted. Now, who does that? Who does that? Who rejoices because they're being persecuted? I'll tell you who. People whose lives have been changed by Jesus. Believers that are convinced that what they have with Jesus is, is worth more than anything that this world has to offer. The real test of our faith is how we respond to adversity, to harassment, to persecution. That's the real test of our faith. Listen to James in James 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. As believers, any time we face trials or struggles of any kind, it's an opportunity to show to the world that as believers we are different. We live by different 
uh, 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 values and priorities. We live with a different strength. We, we, we're, we're, we're different than the world. Anytime our faith is tested, the attitude we choose as we're going through it determines whether or not we're going to grow in the experience or through the experience. So first, face it with joy. Second, face it with worship. Face it with worship. Open up your heart and begin to worship. The minute the harassment comes, the minute the persecution comes, the minute the trials come, lift up your heart and worship. In Acts 16, when Paul and Silas were in Philippi, Paul cast a fortune-telling spirit out of a slave girl. The girl's master was furious, and he stirred up a crowd against them. And we read in starting in verse 22 of Acts 16, the crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates, the magistrates stripped off their clothes, ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in stock. So they are in an inner prison in Philippi with their feet uh, uh, secured in stocks. And what do they do? Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. They've been severely beaten. They've been thrown in jail. And now they're praying and worshiping. And note, they were being watched. There is always someone watching us to see how we handle the difficulty and the struggles and the disappointments and the, the hardships that come along in our life. There is always someone watching. And I remember one time when uh, Lisa was brand new Christian. She's working at IU in the records and admissions office. And one time somebody came to her and said, I don't get it. Why, you know, everybody around here is so stressed out and just so uh, 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 tense all the time and, and so much stress in their lives. And, and yet you always have such a peace about you. Why is that? And it was a perfect example for Lisa just to share because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we, we, you know, we, we, there's always someone watching us. We live for an audience of one, it's been said. We live for an audience of one, but we live with an audience of many. Let me say that again. We live for an audience of one, but we live with an audience of many because there's always someone watching. No matter who, uh, no matter what you and I are facing or what we're going through, worship is always the appropriate response. Why? Because no matter what, God is worthy of worship, always. No matter what we're going through, no matter what difficulty or even the severest persecution, God is worthy of our worship because we worship him for who he is and that never changes, regardless of how our circumstances may change. Third thing, believers can face persecution, harassment, opposition, trials, whatever comes our way, we can face it with confidence. Hebrews chapter 4, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
In other words, don't let it shake us. Let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. And that's what it is. It's a th- for the believer, it's a throne of grace. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we approach God's throne of grace as believers, we can be confident that he'll he'll greet us with mercy and give us the grace to help us when we need it. Once again, this is based on who God is, not on our circumstances. And God is faithful. God has promised that no matter what we face, what we go through, he will always be with us. So we don't have to fear. In the midst of the worst persecution, we can approach God's throne, and it's always a throne of grace for the believer. He doesn't promise that, we'll always, that he will always deliver us from it. But he will give us the grace we need to go through it. In Daniel, book of Daniel, when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were threatened with being thrown into a blazing, hot, fiery furnace, they were confident that God was able to deliver them from it. This is what they said to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 3 and verse 17. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's confidence. That's commitment. That's trust. And the interesting thing here is that they were in exile in Babylon at this time because of Israel's sin of idolatry and, and that God had warned them over and o- Israel over and over and they ignored his warnings over and over. So eventually they were exiled to Babylon because of the sin of idolatry. But even in that situation, when they were exiled in Babylon, they were confident that God is who he is and that he doesn't change. God is always faithful, and their circumstances didn't change that. So they were able to say with confidence, our God is going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, nothing you can do to us will make us turn our backs on him and worship this false God that you have set up. They would rather face God sooner, having been faithful, than face him later, having been unfaithful. They knew they were going to face him, you know, one way or another, sooner or later. That was for sure. But they'd rather face him sooner having been faithful than later having been unfaithful. So they faced the fiery furnace with confidence. And if you read the story, you know God did deliver them from it. The fourth thing is important that it's important to have is that we it's, it's important that we face it with the right perspective. And this is really key, but it can also really be hard because this is not something that always comes naturally. 
I mean, let's face it, as people, we tend to focus on what's right in front of us. We tend to focus on the here and now, what we're seeing, what we're thinking, what we're feeling. When the truth is, we should look at our lives, our trials, and especially any persecution we may someday face, we should look at it from an eternal perspective. That's what strengthens us. That's what helps us endure. Look at this next verse. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being st- destroyed. And now that's the, that's the current situation, okay? That's the, the current perspective. He's looking at the current. Okay, our outer person is being destroyed. And then he says, our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction. I want you to hear that. Our momentary light affliction, it's temporary. It's not going to last. That's what he's saying there. It's momentary. And in comparison, it's light. Our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. That's the perspective we need to see. That's an eternal perspective. Whatever we're going through now, the difficulty, the pain, the suffering, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever, and it doesn't compare to what's waiting for us in eternity. And then in verse 18, so we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Everything we see around us, everything we see is temporary. The things that are eternal Those are the things that we just see by faith. Like I said earlier, none of us in America truly experience being persecuted by our faith, although we may suffer harassment from it. We, you know, we we experience pushback, but, but not persecution. Someday I think we will, but that day isn't here yet. But when it does or whenever opposition, harassment does come our way, this is how to respond. With joy. With worship. With confidence. Keeping everything in perspective. And until then, while we do suffer, or while we do enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Until then, let's be praying for our brothers and sisters around the globe who truly are suffering persecution. Here's an idea. Go to the app, for, app store for your phone and look up an app called Pray for the Persecuted by Open Doors. Um, that will help you to put a name on the persecuted instead of just a general sense every day you can go to it and look up a story of one family or one person that is suffering persecution and and i mean real legitimate persecution and because of their faith and and look that up and just spend a few minutes praying for that family praying for that person praying for that situation praying for that church whatever it brings up Something we can do, just take a few minutes, but really make a difference for somebody that truly is suffering for their faith in Jesus. Now let's pray.
Lord, we want to be faithful to you. We don't know when persecution could come our way, but when it does, we want to be found faithful. Help us to find joy in you no matter what is going on around us, no matter what is happening to us, what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter any suffering or, or uh, 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 harassment that's going on. Help us to, to find joy in you. And may our hearts always overflow with worship for you. We worship you because you are worthy not because things are going well in our lives. Lord, our confidence is in you. We thank you that we have a throne of grace that we can go to and that you'll give us mercy and grace in time of need. May we, may we always look at our lives through uh, the lens of your eternal perspective. And may we be faithful to always remember to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering persecution right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to give you a benediction. It's a little longer than normal, but I want to bless you with this. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. We love you. Can't wait to see all of you. Have a great week. And before you go, let's worship one more time with one more song.